Jonah chapter number 4. If you turn there with me, book of Jonah, chapter number 4. Jonah is a minor prophet in the Old Testament. Jonah is a book where when you think of Jonah, what do you think? The first thing that comes to your mind when you think of the book of Jonah. Someone say it. Jonah and the whale. Jonah and a big fish. We think of Jonah, we think of what we maybe learned in Sunday school, or we uh, learn of Jonah getting cast over uh, and a big, great fish coming and swallowing Jonah. Jonah's in the belly of that fish for three days and three nights, and Jonah then gets spit out of that fish and onto dry ground. And the whole purpose of the book of Jonah, Jonah is supposed to go to a great city the Bible calls Nineveh. Nineveh is a capital city of the Assyrian army empire here at this time. And this city was more than 60 miles around. Large city. Matter of fact, Jonah, in going into this city, the Bible said it, it took him the first day to get into the city. He began to preach, but it was a three days journey uh, just around this city. It was a great city. Walls at this time in the uh, Assyrian empire here in this capital city. The walls, they say, were 100 feet high. 1,500 towers were around this city on top of the walls. And so there was great, great protection here of this city. Everything this city needed was inside, and it was a fortified city, a great city, the Bible calls it. A mighty, magnificent city. This city was larger than the Babylonian uh, 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 empire, the, the great city of Babylon. And God called Jonah called the prophet Jonah there to preach. And what he desired for Jonah to preach was that in 40 days, if the people did not repent, they would see God's judgment upon the city. Well, Jonah preached, and wonderfully so, we find, we read in the Bible, that God blessed this city. The people repented. The king put on sackcloth and, 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 and uh, repented. The Bible says in verse number, uh, chapter 3, verse 5, that from the king down to the, the least in the city, they repented. And we know from chapter number 4, there were 120,000 people that lived in the city. And so that tells us this, that 120,000 people got right with God. What a revival that must have been. And God blessed them. And he forgave them. And it made Jonah mad. you believe that? Jonah chapter 4, I want you to be, see in verse 1, Jonah became angry. We find Jonah in chapter 1, he's running from God. We find in chapter number 2 that he's preaching in Nineveh, uh, uh, getting back right with God. He finds in number 3 that Nineveh gets right with God. And we find in uh, chapter number 4 that uh, Jonah is angry, he's mad at God. We find in verse number 1, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. What, what displeased him? Verse number two tells us, he prayed in the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? So he's saying, I argued, God, I argued with you. Didn't I tell you this? Therefore fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew thou art a gracious God, a merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Wouldn't you think that somebody would say those attributes of God are worth celebrating? I mean, wouldn't you, wouldn't you think that Jonah would say, Lord, I'm so pleased, I praise you. I knew that you were a loving God. I knew you were a gracious God. I knew you were slow to anger. I knew that you were, were kind. I knew that you were going to re repent and, 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 and not destroy this people. I knew that. And instead of Jonah saying, God, you're so good, thank you, he said, God, I'm angry because I knew that about you. What he was saying was this, I wasted my time in coming. You were going to do this anyways. And you made me leave my own country to come and do what I knew you were going to do. And so he's angry with God. So he tells God how he feels, and then God tells Jonah how he feels. In verse number three, therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. Then the Lord said this. That's not well to be angry. And I want you to write that down or underline that. It's going to be our text verse today. Dost thou well to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. There made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. And so this is Jonah's response. 
He's angry. He said, God, I knew you were going to do this. I wish I was dead. And God says, does it do you well to be angry? It's his question to Jonah. And Jonah's response was this. Jonah went out, the Bible says, in the east side of the city. He went out of the, of the city so he could view the city from the east side of it. He builds this little booth, and in that little booth, he begins to pout. He begins to get upset. I'm going to sit here in this booth, and I'm going to watch what God's going to do to this city. And I know what God's going to do. The judgment's not going to come. His forgiveness is going to come. And everything, everything that I preach, they got right with him, and no destruction's going to come. I knew, God, you were going to do this. And he begins to sit in this, this booth. He went out in this booth and sat under its shadow. The Bible says in verse number 6, And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it come up over Jonah, that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. Now look at Jonah. Jonah's happy. He went from being angry to now he's happy. He's got this tree that God raised up. The Bible says just overnight he raises this tree up and this tree grows and and these leaves of this tree give him, give him shade, and he's happy because of the gourd. But God prepared a worm. When the morning rose the next day, and it smote the gourd with, that it withered. It came to pass when the sun did rise that God sent a vehement east wind, and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah, and he fainted. And he wished himself to die. And this is what Jonah said, it's better for me to die than to live. What is Jonah so angry about? Why is he so angry? And God said to Jonah, does that well to be angry for the gourd? And he says this, I do well to be angry even unto death. Jonah says, yeah, I, it's good for me to be angry, and I wish I was dead on top of this. Then the Lord said, thou hast had pity on the gourd which thou hast not labored, neither made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. He says this, should not I spare Nineveh? That great city wherein more than six score, 120,000 people that cannot discern between right hand and their left hand and also much cattle. Jonah becomes angry. God sends Jonah to this great city called Nineveh, the capital of the Assyrian army, to preach the gospel, to preach repentance. I want you to mark in verse number 4, our text verse, does that well to be angry. And in verse number 9, we find the same thing again, does that well to be angry. And I want to preach this morning a message, does that well to be angry? Much can be told of our lives by what makes us glad and what makes us mad. Get that this morning, please. You can tell a lot about a person by what makes them glad and what makes them mad. Or what troubles us. You can tell a lot about a person what troubles them. We have this marvelous city, this great city, the Bible calls it, this exceeding great city in chapter 3. And God chooses to bless this city. And then Jonah goes and he builds this booth on the east side of the city and there he sits just to see what God's going to do. And he's angry. He's angry this booth becomes a classroom from which Jonah sits and God is going to teach him a lesson. Now listen, we can choose the classroom but God always chooses the curriculum. And Jonah says, what I'm going to do is I'm going to sit here and I don't care what God is doing. I don't care what's happening in Nineveh. I'm going to sit here because life didn't go the way I wanted it to go. Things didn't happen the way I wanted them to happen. He sits in a little booth. He watches what God's going to do, and he pouts. He pouts. He's upset because the outcome wasn't what he wanted it to be. But God is going to use this classroom. He's going to use this booth. You know, the reality is this, you and I, we choose our booths. Everyone here at some point or another, you've chosen a booth, you've gotten to a booth, and you're not quite liking what's going on, and so you choose a booth, you sit and you watch what God's doing. And this is exactly what Jonah's doing. 
I'm not quite sure I like what God's doing. I don't know what I like about it or I don't like about it. I just know that I'm going to sit over here by myself. I'm going to get into this booth. I'm going to watch what God's doing. And our place, this is a place for us to observe. It's a place for us to express our anger the way that let people know how we feel about what's happening. Jonah was sitting there angry and he wanted God to know, God, I'm angry with you for what you're doing. God, I'm angry for, with you for what you did to me. I'm angry with you, and so I'm going to show that by getting into this booth, and I'm going to show my anger, and God says, good, I'm glad you're in this classroom because there's some lessons I'm going to teach you while you're there. So here, he and God begin to deal with each other. Just like when we get into our booths, God begins to deal with us. God starts this conversation, and he says this, does that well to be angry? Or, or what he's saying to him is this, can you justify your anger right now? Jonah, can you even tell me why you're angry? Can you justify it? Do you have a reason for your anger? It's like he's saying, Jonah, I'm watching you play this fool. Can you even tell me why you're doing this? What? It's caused you to be so angry. Why are you so mad? I'm working in Nineveh. I just saved 120,000 people from dying from destruction. And you're sitting over in a booth because things didn't go your way. Why does that trouble you? Why does that cause you so much anger? I could hear God saying, as you consider all that I've done for Nineveh, are you sure your response is correct? I want us to ask ourselves this question. When God is dealing with you, is your response correct? As you're sitting in the classroom of life, as you're sitting in this booth, and God begins to deal with you, is your response correct when God is trying to deal with you? I can tell a lot about my life by what troubles me. I can tell a lot about someone's life by what troubles them. You ever sit and hear someone just tell you their troubles and you're thinking to yourself, that's a lot of nonsense. That's a lot of selfishness. Anybody else? Sometimes I think to myself, wow, if that's the worst of your problems, you got it good. And you think life is bad. The worst of Jonah's troubles were this. God is blessing Nineveh. The worst thing that's happening to Jonah right now is a wonderful thing. God has used Jonah to preach a message of salvation. God has used Jonah to go into Nineveh and walk around this great city. And from the king to the least of the person in Nineveh, their heart is right with God. A great revival took place. Jonah then goes out and he begins to sulk, begins to pout, begins to be upset because life didn't go the way he wanted it to go. I'm so often amazed how I react wrongly to things. Sometimes I'm embarrassed. Sometimes I'm ashamed of how I react wrongly to things. Sometimes I place the wrong emphasis on things. Sometimes I know probably many in this room would say the same thing. Little things move me and move my emotion, and it's the wrong little things. It's the wrong emotion. Here, Jonah, is he, as he's sitting in this booth, Jonah is upset. That's what he puts him in this booth. And then as Jonah sits in this booth, as God is dealing with him, as he sees what God's doing, Jonah gets more and more and more upset sitting in his booth. The more God deals with him, the more angry he gets. The more God does, the more angry he gets. The more Nineveh repents, the more angry he gets. The longer he's here, the more angry he gets. The Bible tells us this, that as he's angry, the Lord sends this gourd. In verse number six, he sends a gourd, and it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. And then look what the Bible says. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. Jonah's perspective is wrong. 
Jonah's angry because God is a merciful God and God is a loving God and God is blessing Nineveh. And then a gourd comes and it gives a little shade to Jonah and the Bible says that he's exceedingly glad. What makes Jonah happy is when Jonah's blessed. How selfish is that? Jonah's emotions. If it doesn't please Jonah, Jonah's angry. If it doesn't make Jonah happy, then Jonah's angry. If it's not what Jonah wanted, Jonah's angry. If God blesses someone else, then Jonah's angry. But God gives Jonah a gourd, and guess what? Jonah's happy. What made Jonah happy was not that God was working in the life of someone else. What made Jonah happy was not that lives were being saved. What makes Jonah happy, not that an entire city came back to the Lord and repented and got right with God. What makes Jonah happy is not a revival that took place. What makes Jonah happy is while Jonah was sitting, sulking, complaining, upset because he didn't get his way, God gave him a gourd. How many of you agree Jonah's pretty selfish? Jonah finds himself rejoicing over things that should not be bring that much joy. And you know what? Sometimes if we're not careful, Christian, we're the same way. The things that bring us joy shouldn't bring us that much joy. And the things that anger us shouldn't bring that much anger out of us. And the reason why is this, our whole life is out of balance. Now get this today, please. Because the reality is this, if that describes our life as it describes the life of Jonah, what we see is we don't have perspective. We care more about us than we care about God. Now we can disguise it, we can, we can pretend, we can make ourselves believe that no, 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 I'm really caring, but we're not about what God is doing, we want God to do it on our time frame. We want God to do it when we want it done. We begin to dictate to God what he should do, when he should do it, how he should do it. And when God chooses to be God and God chooses to do it his way, we don't like it. I want you to see in verse number 17 of chapter 1, just look a page or so over. I want to bring your attention to a word that I first find in verse number 17 of chapter 1. The Bible says this, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. I want you to see in that verse the word prepared. And I want you to mark that, please. Highlight it, mark it, underline it, write it down in your notes. Because we're going to see that word someplace else. And we see the book of Jonah and we see what God has done in the book of Jonah. And what, what, what causes us to remember the book of Jonah is this verse. God prepares this great fish and Jonah gets swallowed by a, a whale. What a, great, what a great story is told. What a great Bible lesson we see here. Jonah gets swallowed by a fish. And I want you to see that God prepared that fish. That was all about Jonah. God was trying to teach Jonah something. God was using this fish as a lesson. Jonah is running from God. Jonah is fleeing from what God is want, wants him to do. God says, this is what I want you to do. And Jonah says, but I don't want to do this. I want to do something else. And so Jonah runs, and he runs to, to, to a, a, a ship, and, and he goes southward to get away from this, this calling of God. And God says, oh, no, 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 I'm going to bring you back to this calling. And the Bible says he prepared a fish. You know, that means this, that fish was at the same exact spot that he needed to be so that when Jonah went overboard, that fish swallowed up Jonah. It didn't just happen to be a great fish in the water. God put that great fish exactly where that fish needed to be because he wanted to deal with Jonah. Now, I want you to understand something today. The book of Jonah is about Nineveh. The book of Jonah is about God Wanting Nineveh to repent. But the book of Jonah is about God dealing with Jonah as well. It wasn't just Nineveh that God was after, it was Jonah. And so God begins to give Jonah these lessons. He begins to prepare. 
I want you to see in verse number six of chapter number four, we find the same word, and the Lord God prepared a gourd. You see that word prepared? I find in verse number seven the same thing. The Bible says in verse seven, but God prepared a worm. In verse number eight, we find the same thing, and it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared this great wind. You find that God is preparing. God did these things so that he could get a hold of Jonah. His goal was to teach Jonah. His goal was to get Jonah to listen. These are lessons that God wants Jonah to learn. So we come to this place. The revival has taken place. The people of Nineveh has trusted God. And God is still dealing with Jonah. The reason why is because Jonah's response is all wrong. And I ask you this question today, and I want you to answer this in your heart. Write this down and answer this in your heart today before God. What is your response to what God is doing? What is your response to what God is doing? Because you know what Jonah teaches me? That God is doing a work. He's doing a great work in Nineveh. He's doing a great work in Jonah. And God is doing a great work in your life. And what is your response to what God is doing? God cares about you. God is after you. God is purposely dealing with you. And he wants a response out of your life. He purposely is dealing with Jonah. And he desires a response. If we're not careful, we want God to work on our timetable. We want God to work when we want the job done. And I know that describes my life, and what I must do is I must move into this booth today. Because today I preach at me. Because often I want God to work how I want him to work, when I want him to work, I want them to understand what I want to understand. I want everyone else around me to understand what I want done. And I move into this booth today, and I invite you into this booth with me. Because it's in this booth that God begins to reveal lessons. God's not going to let me just be angry. His desire is to teach me. He brings Jonah's attention. He says, why are you so angry? Is your anger justified? Am I able to recognize what God is doing in my life? Oftentimes, because of the wrong perspective, oftentimes because of selfishness, I don't recognize what God is doing in my own life. I want you to know this this morning. God doesn't waste what he does but we can waste what he does. What God does is deliberate. What God does is specific. He does it to instruct us. He does it to teach us. We must be willing to learn. It's like the kid in the classroom. The teacher can prepare. The teacher can teach. The teacher can instruct. If that child is daydreaming, if that child does not want to learn, then it doesn't matter what the teacher does. The teacher is, he can try their hardest, but if the child is not willing to learn, the teacher hasn't failed. The child has. The teacher hasn't wasted time teaching. The child has wasted time in learning. I believe that's where we sit at this booth. God is not wasting a time. God is not wasting his time on Jonah. And God is not wasting his time on you. He is deliberately doing things. He has prepared a fish. He has prepared this gourd. He has prepared this worm. He has prepared this wind. Why? Because he deliberately wants to do something in Jonah's life. And he deliberately wants to do something in your life as well. God begins to zero in on the real problem. 
God begins in our lives to zero in on the real issues, and oftentimes we don't want him to zero in on the areas that we don't want to change. But there are some specific areas that Jonah must get right. There's some specific areas that God is trying to work in Jonah's life, and he begins to point those out. He begins to put that finger right where it hurts. He begins to show the real need in Jonah's life. And I believe this, if we were honest, we can find that same thing in our life because God has us in this booth. God is teaching us a lesson, and there's uh, specific things that he wants to point out in your life. But unfortunately, oftentimes, we don't respond to what God is doing properly. We get angry. Oftentimes when God begins to deal with us, we quit. Oftentimes when God begins to point things out, we blame other people. Oftentimes when God begins to reveal those things, we get our focus on something else. God is bringing Jonah to a place just like he brings us to this place, he brings us to this booth. So we got Jonah, we've got a revival, we've got a booth. I want to bring your attention to verse number five, and I want to give you the first lesson today that I believe that God is giving Jonah. And that first lesson is this, the lesson of the gourd. The lesson of the gourd. The Bible says that God prepared this gourd so Jonah went out of the city. He sat on the east side of the city. There he made a booth. He sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God responded. Jonah made his move. And now God makes his move. God says, all right, Jonah, you've made your move. You've built this on the east side of the city. My turn. I now am going to prepare a gourd. I'm preparing this for a specific reason. This gourd grows overnight. This gourd spreads its leaves and, and it causes Jonah to be able to be a shadow over his head. And the Bible says Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. Jonah got all excited about a gourd. You know what that shows me? It shows me how wrong Jonah's priorities get. When he gets more excited about a gourd than he does about what God's doing in the life of other people. Jonah gets more excited about temporary things. Jonah gets more excited about his pleasure. Jonah gets more excited about how he's doing. He gets more excited about his comfort. He gets more excited about his shade. He gets more excited about his gourd than what God is doing in the life of the people back in Nineveh. Remember back in Nineveh, people were going to die. People were going to be destroyed. They were rejecting God, and God was going to punish them. And that means this, if they would have died in their sin, they would have spent eternity absent from God for all of eternity. This is a big issue. This was heaven or hell. But Jonah is more excited about a gourd that covers him. Listen to me, so many times I've gotten more excited about a nothing than I have about God changing lives. How about you? The things that excite us, the things that thrill us. Sometimes we're more excited about what happens to us and what thrills us than we are about God changing lives, than we are about God uh, working the lives of the others, than we are about our own family, than we are about those that are being healed from their sickness or healed spiritually. We get more excited about our blessings. We get more excited about little things that mean nothing for eternity than we get excited about eternal things. And here Jonah Jonah sits and he's excited, this gourd. You know what, sometimes I'm this way. I get distracted by gourds. I get distracted how I feel. I get distracted upon my emotions. I get distracted about temporary things that mean nothing. Listen to me this morning, how many of you would agree to this, little things have gotten our attention. Little things have become a pleasure to us 
little things have been so important to us. They have no measure with eternity. It's not about people being saved. It's not about nations or countries or cities being turned back to God. It's about the little things in life that we have to have. I walked into Costco the other yesterday, picking a few things up for my wife, and I walked into Costco, and as soon as I walked in, they had these TVs. I mean, they're, they're, they're bigger than anybody would ever need. But I'm telling you, I'm walking through and I'm thinking, man, the Super Bowl would be nice on that one. The Super Bowl would be nice on that one. The Super Bowl would be nice on that one. That one's too small. The Super Bowl would be nice on that one. And then they had chips. And I said, boy, they would be good with watching the Super Bowl on that TV. Before it was done, I had a $4,000 TV in my cart, six bags of chips, some dip, and everything I didn't need. And just kidding, I didn't have a $4,000 TV in my cart. But I wanted to have a $4,000 TV in my cart. And I had myself convinced, boy, that would make me happy. My wife got a new van the other uh, another month, month or so ago. Her lease came up, and so we got another van. And we got in the van, and, and uh, uh, Tyler uh, Tanzel had sold us this van. And, and so he gets in the van with my wife, and he's showing my wife all these things. Your van does this. Your van does this. Boy, it does this. I mean, it does everything. It almost drives for her. I mean, there's all these gadgets, and my wife looked at me after he got out. She said, all these things are things that are going to break and cost us money. I said, well, that's one way to look at it. The other way would have been, thank you, babe, for the new van, you know. But if we're not careful, we can put so much on stuff. A gourd. A gourd makes us excited. A gourd brings us joy. What we have and how it makes us feel. And what God does is God gives him a hint, a small hint, just a day of what it's like for this gourd. He's excited about this gourd. He shows him this lesson that this gourd, you think it's going to bring you joy. You think that things, you think that these pleasures, you think this gourd is going to help you. And then God says to Jonah, I'm going to take it away. You know what the lesson I learned is this, the lesson of the gourd, the lesson of the gourd is simply this, temporary things don't satisfy. Temporary things don't last. And what he was doing is he was revealing to Jonah, you're getting more excited about a gourd, you're getting more excited about shade, you're getting more excited about your comfort than you are about what I'm doing in Nineveh. Well, listen, we can get that way, Christian. We can get so consumed with our lives. We can get so consumed with what we have. We can get so consumed with what we want. And when we have those things, we lose focus on the real thing that God wants us to be involved in is his work. We get so focused on the east side of the city, the outside of the city, our little booth, our little cord, that we forget that God is wanting to do a great work inside of Nineveh. We forget that there's 120,000 people in there that God is looking for a preacher to go and preach repentance. We're looking that God is wanting to send a revival. And I believe this as Christians, we talk so often, I want to see revival take place. We talk so often, we want to see God move. But we're more concerned about our gourd in our little place on the east side of the city than doing what God wants us to do in the city, preaching repentance, preaching the gospel so God could send a revival. Listen, God wants the revival to take place in the city. And we're sitting out here enjoying our gourd. And if God ever takes the gourd from us, we're mad. I want you to see what happens. Look with me in verse number seven. And God prepared a worm. Lesson number two. What did that worm do? That worm rose in the morning, rose the next day, and he smote the gourd that it withered. What made Jonah exceedingly glad is now gone. Listen, lesson number two, God prepares a worm. And what he loved and what made him glad is now gone. God prepares this worm. Lesson number two, are we to rejoice in the temporary things or are we to rejoice in eternal things? Are we to invest all of our lives in the things that Last only for a moment? 
I don't know about you, I mentioned this in the first service. Sometimes the temporary things are what we go after in life and they always leave us empty. We, I love, I love the planned vacations, but once soon as I start the vacation, I feel like the vacation's already over and it makes me upset. So if we go on vacation for seven days, we get there after the first day, I say, oh, only six more days of vacation left. This is awful. And I get myself all stressed out. And I don't want to do anything because it makes the day go quicker. And if the day goes quicker, then there's one less day of vacation and the vacation is over. But I don't want to stay in bed all day because if I stay in bed all day, I waste a day of vacation and then t- tomorrow comes and I just can't get this all right in my mind. And I, I get upset every day. Only five days left, only four days left, only three days left. Vacation's over. We only got three days left. And I get so upset and so distracted. And, and, and it's almost to the place where that vacation did me more harm than good. I was upset the whole time vacation's over. We put all this emphasis and temporal things and I want it to last and I want it to enjoy it and the whole time I'm missing out because I'm afraid I'm going to lose it. How many of us ever gotten mad, fumed and fussed or maybe you got glad over something that was so insignificant Listen to me, I say this in great love, but many of us, our emotions are up and down. We're mad, we're happy. And most of it is caused by insignificant things. The smallest thing makes us angry. The smallest thing we put our joy in. And we're not as Christians to live this emotional roller coaster where insignificant things cause us so much grief or insignificant things cause us so much joy. We are supposed to live in excited about what God's doing. We're supposed to live with eternity in view. We're supposed to get excited and be where God wants to be. Listen, Jonah didn't, didn't need to be outside of the city. He needed to be in the city doing what God was doing. God was working in in the city. God was saving in the city. And Jonah said, no, I'm going to set up my classroom outside of the city. And God, go ahead, teach me something. But I'm angry. God says, all right, I'll send a worm. I'll send this worm and I'll take away that gourd. I'll take away what causes you so much pleasure. And I want you to understand that what's causing you pleasure shouldn't be causing you pleasure. What should be causing a child of God pleasure is being in the work of God, being and doing where God is working. So often, instead of us being where God is, we want God to to do what we want to do out here. And God says, I don't want you to be out here. I want you to be where I'm at so I can bless you. I want you to be where I'm at, what I'm doing instead of you being off by yourself. Then I want you to see lesson number three. The Bible says in verse number eight, it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared to him an east wind. And look what happened. The sun beat upon the head of Jonah and he fainted. He wished in himself to die. And he said this, it's better for me to die than to live. Why? Why, Jonah? Think about this. God is saving souls. Revival just came to the city of Nineveh. 120,000 people were saved from God's destruction. And now Jonah sits and wants to die. He's exhausted. He's exhausted to the point, the Bible tells us, that he fainted. Jonah's reached the end. Jonah's exhausted himself. He didn't exhaust himself with the Lord's work. 
He didn't exhaust himself with preaching. He didn't exhaust himself doing what God wanted him to do. Jonah has exhausted himself with gourds. He's exhausted himself with worms. He's exhausted himself with wind. He's exhausted himself because he was not willing to be where God desires for him to be. He wanted to be out on his own. He wanted to set the priorities in life. He wanted to make the rules in life. He wanted to be in control of his life. And God says, no, Jonah, you can't get to this place where you're in control, where life is about you, where you do what you want to do. Jonah, if you want life, if you want joy, if you want to see happiness, then get yourself where I'm working and let me use you where I want to use you. But he's exhausted himself. He exhausted himself never really caring what God did and what God was doing in Nineveh. He exhausted himself because he couldn't get life to revolve around him. I wonder this morning if anyone's really listening to, to that story that God is teaching us. Can you identify with how much energy and how much we spend over things that are so insignificant. How upset people get when things don't go their way. I I know of people that spend so much time to get the home of their dreams that they don't pay attention to the people that live in that home. People that spend all their time in jobs to, to earn money to get material things that won't last for eternity. We were in need of a washer and dryer and my wife and I have been looking everywhere for washers and dryers and we go and they, they got this amount of warranty, that amount of warranty and someone said, one of the salesmen said to us, you know, they don't make them to last forever. I thought, that's not what you want to tell someone that's trying to buy a wash. I want one that lasts the rest of my life, you know? All I hear about is everything they make now is throwaway. You don't have a washer repairman or you don't have a dishwasher repairman. You don't have a refrigerator repairman because it's too expensive to repair. You just throw it away and get a new one. Just throw it away. Everything is disposable in life. So we earn, we work, we try to get something, we buy what we think we get, and it's disposable. Disposable. Many things that were once important, we just had to have. Two years ago, we had a van, actually it's sitting out in the parking lot here in the side, and it's a big green van. My wife used to drive it, and, and when we got her a new van, we kind of parked the thing, and when we were moving from where we were rented to buy the house here in, uh, uh, here in Ohio, we, we uh, uh, put some things in that van, and the van is filled. Now, my son gets the privilege of driving the big green machine this month, and so trying to get it together for him to drive, I open that van up, and the van's full of stuff. I mean, you can't get in the van. There's boxes everywhere. I said to my wife, we better go through those boxes and see you know, what we need. She said, we haven't looked at them for two years. I said, well, then why did we put them in the van to begin with? She said to me, let's just throw them out. Let's not even look at them. Let's just take it to the dumpster and throw everything out. I said, well, if there's something good in there. She says, we haven't seen it. We haven't even seen it for two years. We haven't missed it for two years. We hold on to things just in case. It's not important. We've lived our life and never missed it for the last two years. But there might be something that I can't live without. One says, just toss it. Then I say to myself, what did we buy it for in the beginning, in the first place? Why did we put it in the van? Listen to me, we can live life so drastically to where things preoccupy us, they're gourds, they're worms, they're winds, and they're useless for us. 
And the whole time, God is trying to get a hold of us saying, I've got a work for you to do. Would you get your eyes off temporary things? Would you get your eyes off yourself? Would you get your eyes off what makes you happy? Would you stop getting angry over the smallest things? Would you get back into focus where life is about serving Christ? Get out of the booth and get back into the service. We lose your perspective. We try to gain, we try to get, we try to maneuver, we try to, try to fix things just right until we faint. Listen to me, Christian. God doesn't give you a life so that you could want to die. He hasn't called you to a life where you're constantly weary and constantly wanting to faint. That's not what God and living for God does. That's what living for ourselves and in, in, in being concerned about a gourd and being concerned about a worm and being concerned about a wind when we ought to be concerned about what God's doing in Nineveh. God didn't do what we wanted done and God didn't do what Jonah wanted done. And Jonah wanted to die. And listen to me, any time a child of God lives a life for themselves, they're never going to feel fulfilled. Anytime a child of God lives a life your way and God doesn't get on your timetable, you will never feel fulfilled. It'll take you down a road of frustration. It'll take you down a road of exhaustion. It'll take you down to a road where Jonah did, sitting on the outside of what God was doing in the city. And listen to me, Christian, many times, many Christians live their life there. And you're going to end up dying before you ever figured out how to live. You're going to live your life, instead of praising God in your life, you're going to live your life frustrated. And you don't have to live your life that way. Jonah is getting close to the end of himself. And sometimes that's exactly where God wants you to get to so he can get your attention, so he can say the work that I want done is in Nineveh. The work that I want done is in the lives of others. The work that I want done is I want to send a revival to this great city of great influence and I want to save 120,000 people. And Jonah, all you're doing is you're concerned about you. One person. Your gourd that is covering you while an entire city needs Christ, while an entire city needs to turn back to God, while an entire city is going to get destroyed because they're living, you're concerned about your gourd. Christian. God says this in verse number 10. Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd for which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in the night and perished in the night. What he's saying is this you thought more about something temporary. You're more concerned about something that's going to live and die then you are concerned about what I'm doing. Look at verse number 11. Should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score, six score thousand persons? They can't discern between right, their right hand and their left hand. And you're in a booth pouting because life's not going the way you want it to go. I believe, Christian, life isn't fully lived as a Christian until we're fully living for Christ. And when we put ourselves and what we think and how we feel and what it does for us and what we can get and all of the selfishness of life, we come to the place where we're tired, we're worn out, we're exhausted, we're ready to faint. And we say it'd be better for me to die no, no, Jonah. It'd be better for you to go to Nineveh and preach. 
Christian, if you're living this rat race of life, frustrated constantly, your joy is in the wrong places, you're constantly angry at what God is doing, you look and instead of being excited that God is moving, instead of being excited what God is doing, instead of wanting to be a part of what God is doing, you're sitting in a booth on the east side of the city, upset, knowing that God is probably going to bless them and they don't even deserve it. You're going to live a frustrated life. It's time some of us get back to serving. It's time some of us get back to getting into the work that God is doing instead of God wanting God to get into what I am doing. Get back and do what God wants you to do in Nineveh. Get back and be concerned about souls that need to be saved. Get back and be concerned about cities that are dying and perishing without God and destruction is coming. Get back to taking the gospel to a lost and dying world. Get back to our focus not being on ourselves, not being upon our own needs, but about our focus being upon preaching the word of God so that others could come to know Jesus Christ. Stop making life about me, my gourd, the worm, the wind. Put it back on Nineveh again. It would be good for some of us to take some tracks this week. It would be good for some of us to take some New Testaments this week. It would be good for some of us to take our voice this week and go out into a lost and dying world. Instead of talking about what's going on in my life, instead of talking about the misery in my life, instead of talking about what I don't have, instead of talking about what I don't want, instead of talking about that all the things that are that, that selfish, let's talk about Christ in forgiveness, in mercy, in grace. Let's talk about a God that loves them. Let's talk about heaven and hell. Let's talk about eternity. Let's talk about a Jesus Christ that came to the cross and went, to the, went, went and died for your sins and my sins. Let's talk about eternal things. So we've been in the booth. God sent a gourd. God sent a worm. God sent a wind. My question to you is this. So what are you going to do? Are you going to stay in this booth and die? Or are you going to leave this booth? Or are you going to go back into Nineveh? And you're going to be the voice that God desires for you and for Jonah and for me to be. Live in your booth? Or just look at it as a classroom. I learned my lesson. It's time to get out.